0: And I'm pleasantly surprised that this conversation wasn't anxiety inducing. That's good. (laughs) I think that (laughs) says something about where we're coming to. Hello. Welcome to Hi, Mom,
1: Let's Talk. This is our mom and daughter podcast. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. I live in New York. And I'm Vicki, the mom. I live in Los Angeles. We're figuring out life from opposite coasts. Doing our best to cultivate a raw and transparent relationship that is also generous and safe. So, Mom, let's talk.
0: Hi, Mom. Let's talk about the year that we've had in quarantine.
1: Yes. I think that that is a good thing to talk about. We have the distinction of having a marker on our year in quarantine because I was visiting you on March 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th when everything shut down last year. That is
0: right. So we're coming, we're through a year of the pandemic and this is coming out uh, not not even quite a month past the year marker of my show shutting down and starting this year in quarantine so we thought it'd be a good opportunity to not spend too much time lament i think i've just spent the whole year lamenting but what i'd love to do is at least make some meaning out of the things that we've learned this year and what it looks like going forward because people are starting to get vaccinated and there is some some new types of hope popping up that is an
1: excellent perspective and it is the sixth stage of grief as we Ah. uh, we might have talked about but there the original grief researcher had a colleague who came up with and developed and i will find out who that person is i can't remember his name right now uh who developed the sixth stage of grief which is finding meaning So that's exactly what you talked about. I find it interesting, just a quick reflection, is uh, that I had already planned my trip to visit you and your sister and so your sister and I were going out to eat at restaurants and they were starting to become less and less populated, yeah. but there was no mask mandate yet. What we realized later is they had no mask mandate because they didn't have enough masks. So that was yeah, part of the Yeah, I remember reason. that. But we originally were told, oh, it's not important. And so then a plane flight started being canceled left and right. And as I flew from Minnesota to Virginia, which is where you were to start your first show, the your show was canceled. Canceled. And so we had kind of a lamenting, sad cast party the first night that I got there. (laughs) And everybody was still congregating and we were grouping together. You were in Williamsburg, Virginia, but the restaurants started to be more and more uh, scarcely populated. Things started shutting down. All of pretty much Williamsburg was already shut down. So
0: yeah, the next day we went to see the last movie I've seen in a movie theater since then because we went to see Emma. Oh, the, the new movie one. that had just come out.
1: Wow. Yes. And I think we were the only
0: ones in the theater. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you made the quick decision. You said, should I just stay here and work at Trader Joe's for two weeks? Because we're only going to be closed for two to three weeks. Uh And I said, well, your community is in New York and you have someone that's driving back there. Why don't you hop a ride with that person? I'm so glad that you did. Me too. I
0: had friends that stayed and they created their own really special bond as well, because the six of them were like living in a house unemployed and... Williamsburg Virginia so they of course found ways to have community there too but yeah I remember walking into the Williamsburg Trader Joe's and saying hey because I I was just planning to work there like once a month to stay on payroll while I was doing the theme park and the manager there said we can give you full hours if you want but I don't really know why I just I feel like you should go home and um so there were enough little voices there I'm I'm really glad because uh I had to call. I had to call my Trader Joe's here in New York and say, in order to stay on payroll, I need to. I need a shift tomorrow. Ooh! And so I drove from Virginia to New York in one day, and I got up the next morning and went to work at eight a.m. And they were able uh, to give you a
1: shift. Well, that
0: is great. Yeah, they are wonderful people, and they were like, "Yes, we want you to work here. So here's a shift." and They made one for me. Wow! Um, so there. Are, and the rest is history.
1: <laughs> well, there's a lot of uh, little silver lining kind of moments throughout the year that but- have been that way. I will say for us, it's been lovely when pandemic started. We took a family walk, the four of us, uh, at six o'clock every night with our little dog. Mm -hmm. He got more exercise across the world. Dogs got more exercise than they've ever gotten before. So that was pleasant. It was nice to walk down the middle of the street. Our dog is now blind. So he feels confident in the middle of the street and not on the sidewalk. So that Mm -hmm. was pleasant also. And getting actually more used to Zoom world with with you and your sister and even the grandparents a little bit, although they refused to do Zoom. They did do Skype. <laughs> <laughs> so seeing getting more comfortable with seeing people over the screen is, uh, I guess, a silver lining. And then really valuing the people that we could say, see in, in person. That's been very special. But it's only been not even two fistfuls of people we've seen in person.
0: Yeah, I have a small... A list of things that I think have really helped get me through the year I have like buoyed my mental health, et cetera. One of them is my my deep jump into the Harry Potter world. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there is a far there was a big spike in people being excited about fantasy all year.
1: And reading because
0: again. and reading yeah reading again I'm of course people like watched everything on Netflix again to escape a little but the actually rather I mean the very successful podcast Harry Potter and the Sacred Text became like my lifeline for a little while at least creatively and thoughtfully and I discovered it in j- June and had five years to catch up on. So <laughs> I listened to it like multiple hours a day, all the way through book one, the end of the series. We, I'm caught up and we are in, we finished the last chapter of the last book last week. Oh my. So <laughs> I've done them all. But I mentioned that as like a really tangible thing that I realized was not in my life this time last year. Mm. And I really do, I, tri- I attribute a lot of my mental health to things like that. That I I chose to engage in that were thoughtful and gave me a lot of actual like vocabulary for emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Even like the phrase "meaning making," I got mm. from that podcast. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot about meaning making and what I, I just find it so helpful to use that phrase to say we can make meaning of things that we don't also have to set a judgment on. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to say. Even that there was a like a silver lining or like a good thing of, that came out of this year. Because like, it just feels so complicated to me so fast about mm. what, whether something was meant to be. Like those get really hard and it's such a hard year like this one. But regardless of events, afterwards we do have to make meaning of them for the rest of our, our personal lives. And that's, we have power to do that. There's like a personal empowerment there to make the meaning that is best for you. And so wait,
1: help me understand that a little bit more. Uh, This is interesting. I'm getting a little tripped up on the terms. Is it possible to make meaning without having a judgment, even if it's a positive judgment?
0: Well, I think that the difference is I I would rather say this death has happened. And as you're saying, like after I've after I've grieved it and I've been angry at it and all these other stages of grief. Now I get to use the time that I've spent grieving or the things that I've personally learned about myself to 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 make it mean something to me for the rest of my life. And I start to, I start to apply that to, to my future, to the way that I think about the world, the way I interact with the world, maybe the things that I do in the world. I've made meaning of a moment that gave me great grief, which is different from rationalizing why that kind of event happened in the first place, which is... A that's tricky place true. to be and it helps us sort of play God and that's like no one has answers for those things. And it's easy to get for me to get frustrated in in a year of such grief. Um, with the idea of people being like you know, having trying to rationalize or like come to a conclusion of how how we got here when at the end of the day, like <laughs> I can't control those things, but I can take it from here and decide to make meaning for my future.
1: Well it's so interesting. What language would you use instead of silver lining? Do you think that when I say silver lining, that's implying a good thing?
0: No, I I didn't mean... I really didn't mean that to say that I I didn't mean to discount your use of silver lining there. Mm. I I think that in a lot of ways we're probably meaning the same thing when we say that.
1: Well, I do think it's important distinction because in grief, if I was grieving a loss, I would never say, yay, that loss was good because this came out of it. But what I would like to be able to say is this good came out, but I'm not also saying yay at the same time.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, no, totally. And and possibly like, a lot of that is like where, again, where we are in the stages of grief and Mm -hmm. how far away we are from whatever event. Because for someone in grief, someone else pointing out a silver lining could feel like you're diminishing my grief. And what I've learned a lot this year from both Harry Potter and Sacred Text and actually a lot of conversations with John Green on his podcasts or writings or things is just the importance of letting grief be grief and letting something be terrible Mm -hmm. and like not having to rationalize out of that, Mm
1: -hmm. which is what
0: I love so much about making meaning that you get to sit and be, it can be terrible. And that's all I'm going to say. And when you're ready, we can talk about the the meaning that it will have in the rest of your life.
1: Okay. Here's an interesting question then. Do you think that reading the book's Or even listening to an audio version of the books, which takes longer than binge watching a series, helps you have a more positive outlook or find meaning or work through grief more effectively. Yes, 100%. (laughs) Why is that?
0: Well, what I would say is any of those things help you process grief binge watching a TV show helps you process grief. So does reading a book. I don't think I would say one is better than the other. I think that's person to person. Something that I have heard recently from TikTok and therefore have no background knowledge on whether or not it's totally (laughs) true or not. But I think it's an interesting thought is the idea that, that our brains, when we read a story, connect often so deeply with that character that it doesn't always register in the same way. Our brain doesn't register the same way that it's a fictional character. And so when that character dies in the book or when you just close the book at the end. We go through all the same grief that you might, if you were separated from A real human, Mm -hmm. which I certainly resonates with me in personal experience. I don't exactly know the the science, like the brain science behind it, whether or not that can truly be said. But I have felt deeply like I've become friends with people in books or these voices in my podcast, you know. And my roommate does it similarly with shows. She binge watches shows, but then she'll re-binge watch them. And then she'll spend hours and hours thinking about these characters. So I totally think so. I think that anytime a character... Anytime you're in a story, it, you get to take out of it what you need to take out of it,
1: mm. which is
0: the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a place where you can emotionally, I mean, Harry Potter is a great example. Because if, you, if you're in a place where, you've, where you need to process through some really hard interpersonal things in your life, mm-hmm. you, you have some kids that go through some deep, deep interpersonal things in that book that you could work through that with. Or if you need to have a safe place that has nothing to do with that, you can focus on Hagrid and Hogwarts and mm-hmm. just enjoy the magic of quidditch games you know so in some reason some ways you take what out of it what you what you need to but either way it's like a it's like an arms distance view to process the world that doesn't have anything to do with my actual life but has the same like themes involved At least for me as an intellectual, we've both said (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's nice to be able to think about something ethereally for a while before you come back down to earth. And we're like, all right, how, how does this apply to my life now that I feel a little bit less emotionally attached?
1: So do you think that in that regard, maybe participating in a book club that talks about a book Is just as or more or less edifying than like a uh, small psychological group or a therapy, a process therapy group.
0: I think it's just as helpful. Community in general, if we've learned anything this year, community in general is super needed. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that does appear in just a book, you know, like yeah. the community that I found in all of the characters in Harry Potter was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the community that I found in the Big Bang Theory, my first year in New York, when I didn't have any other friends and I binge watched <laughs> 13 years of sitcom television with them, was a big deal. Like, I really did feel like they were my friends in a lot of ways. And that's not the same and it's not a, a substitute But it is, it can be sustaining for a short amount of time. Mm. And I mean, book clubs and those kind of things like should not be your therapy sessions. Mm. You have have to have boundaries there. And it depends what you bring to those scenarios. Mm. It's not the same as like divulging your whole life. Mm -hmm. But it, you really can still learn so, so much about yourself.
1: Yeah, way. ironically, to bring another i uh, media in, we have been watching the most recent uh, season four of The Crown, and mm-hmm. there's one t- time when Philip looks at the Queen, Elizabeth, and says something to the effect of "You really, your lack of self awareness is profound." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, that's my job <laughs> to be unaware of myself. And it was so interesting. And the, the, this, this, that particular episode went through her trying to become a little bit more aware of herself as a mom of her four children.
0: But it's what that means. I mean, what's so interesting about that kind of comment is that the underlying statement seems to be you can't learn about yourself unless you're in community with other people, which is hmm. ironic because <laughs> it seems like I'm learning about myself. I should be able to do it on my own. But is so isolated that there's no way for her to develop self-awareness because no one else can hold a mirror up to her mm-hmm. and even characters in books hold up some mirror to you mm-hmm. but if i really like i could have flown through the harry potter books easily and been like okay that was a, a month and a half of my life but instead i spent nine months in community with this harry potter and the sacred text community even through a podcast and that is the thing that gave me buoyancy
1: because oh, it gave you something to think about throughout the day as you were doing your hands on job and kind of living life.
0: And it was interspersed with personal stories from from people around the world that would mm-hmm. call in to the show and and talk about how the, the books affected their lives or what they were thinking about. And there was always like some kind of thought, you know, question to think about mm-hmm. that had to do with good and evil in the world. And that is what... I think a lot of us were like yearning for was give me give me something meaningful to
1: think about Mm. that is outside myself when I'm stuck in my little house my little apartment Yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense well it was enjoyable I wasn't listening along with you I'd listen to occasional podcast episode when you referred to it but it was enjoyable hearing you be energized about it throughout the year and I have definitely really enjoyed listening to podcasts. And and I think we heard some statistic about like 16,000 new podcasts a day coming out now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like just crazy. But it's that's, I think that is something special and unique is just is people finding their voice and wanting to share their voice yeah. and seeing who will come alongside and identify with their experience. I think there's a lot of value in that. We definitely have enjoyed our personal, uh, small, in-person community. But in, in that regard, places where we can branch out with the rest of the world and via podcasts and videos, uh, YouTube videos, it's a really interesting way to to connect with people from around the world, I think. Makes our world a little smaller.
0: Yeah, it does. Was there something in in your life this year that you feel like was sustaining to you or sort of a consistent silver lining, we could say, now that we're far enough away from it to feel like that doesn't diminish also the depression of
1: the year? Because I did the nature of my work, working with people with learning difficulties and learning. I'm a learning skills specialist. And so when people went into lockdown, I had parents reach out to me and and say could you work with my child because <laughs> it took yeah. the pressure off them for a couple right. of hours every day so i uh, upgraded my studio space, which I have enjoyed having. And and I've worked with it in different versions and forms. And I'm at a place right now where I like the table setting and arrangement that I have. So that has been sustaining. You and I have, I think, a strength of consistency. So we like doing things uh, together and we have consistently worked out on Zoom at 7 a.m. my time, 10 a.m. your time, which has been really great for me. I have like there, there hasn't been in person gym classes, but it's been just as special for me to be able to do it with you. And then to carry you on the com- computer screen into the kitchen, have a cup of coffee afterwards together, watch you make your breakfast, which is at 11am.
0: <laughs> I know I've got a weird life, but I totally agree. That has been huge this year. One, as like a connection with the family has been really special,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: also just like the science behind how helpful it is for your physical body to like get up and get moving to mm-hmm. stave off, you know, levels of anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have done it without you on the call. Definitely mm-hmm. not that often. I wouldn't have felt because you don't feel like it all the time, but we had each other on the, have each other on the call to, yeah. to get up many mornings of the week. It's huge it's a big deal.
1: And I, it's so long ago, but I forgot, you know, that I actually did read it in this year is the Emily and Amelia Nagoski uh, book Burnout, which they talk about completing the stress response cycle and the yeah. seven ways there are to do that. I mean, that, I read that last summer and that's less than a year that. ago, but it seems like forever ago that I read it. The, the physical exercise is so healthy in completing the stress response cycle. And, and I can't take away the stress, but I can complete the stress response cycle I have learned with uh, the physical exercise. So it's been great to deal with you. That's awesome. So we'll probably keep that. We also started doing a small church, kind of a simple church. We weren't able to meet together. Of course, as a large church community, we went to a church that had 3,000 members and it was broken up into five different services. So there was like 750 people per service or something. So it wasn't that unwieldy, but we, of course, But certainly more than the 10 you were allowed. We started watching it online for several months. And then we discovered uh, the Bishop of the Glasgow Cathedral. And we really enjoyed watching him on Sunday mornings for several Mm -hmm. months because he's got a great accent. And he had very thought-provoking prayers, intercessory prayers for the whole world, which we loved. And we discovered an organist who had his own YouTube channel as well. And Mm -hmm. he would have hymns on Sunday morning. So we listened to all of those, I will say, for like nine or ten months. And then... Uh, Through your sister, we started meeting together as a small group, and then we added two more families, and then you joined us. You were able to on Sunday mornings. So for the past two months, we've done Simple Church of 10 people on a Zoom Zoom. call (laughs) on Sunday morning, and I would say it's the most edifying, enjoyable experience I've had. It is really feeling connected and like I'm following Jesus for myself and not just being spoon-fed somebody else's theology. Right,
0: totally. And I, I would really, I'd call it akin to what we talked about with like book clubs earlier mm-hmm. in this conversation. Because it is, it's just 10 people that get together and share. We take, spend like a half an hour like talking about our day as you would at like coffee hour, you know, yeah. <laughs> just like chatting, chatting. And then we, we open the Bible and we read a little part of it. And talk about it like the same way you would with a passage in a chapter book. Mm-hmm. And it's super edifying and lovely.
1: Yeah. I, I that is something I would like to keep. It would be nice to meet in person on occasion, although it's really nice to have you on the call as well. So so glad we can right. meet <laughs> on Zoom for that. So that is things that I think we'd like to take forward with us. Hank Green on tube this week
0: created a little math quadrant. <laughs> oh, about what he wants to take into the future for COVID, like past COVID. And I found it so helpful. I'll see if there's a way to link it on our show notes. Because it's just like a blank quadrant where like one one quadrant is things I want to take into next year. And then another is things I want to leave behind completely, mm. things I want to take with me but probably won't, and things, I think the last one's like, things that I want to leave behind but probably won't, you know? And he shared his things, like, he would love to never have to go on another work trip, but he knows that as soon as, like, things go back to normal, he will have to travel for work again, yeah. you know? <laughs> things that he doesn't want to leave behind but he probably will, like uh, Zoom chats with long-distance friends will probably end up sifting away, at least from their consistent pattern now when we're back in person, but he's loved that. And it was just really helpful to have him like kind of share those things and start to process through. I think this whole year is going to be processing through last year. Mm -hmm. I know like I went to an indoor restaurant for the first time this year since last March. This week. I'm half vaccinated and it was just with my roommates and they took our temperature at the door. It was like the most safe experience I've ever had in a restaurant but I had to do incredible mental work to tell myself no this is safe now this is all okay there's shields between every person like I had to talk through why it was okay in the same way that last March and April I had to talk through why it wasn't okay to change those habits. So I'm going to sit down with that quadrant. He put a blank one. I'm going to sit down with that sometime this week and use it as a sort of a reflecting tool for for how to go forward.
1: I think that's a great idea. I'd love to see that. And what I would like to know is your thoughts on mask wearing. You kind of alluded to it with the restaurant, but when do you want to keep the mask and when would you like to just get rid of the mask?
0: Well, in one sense, whatever the CDC says, (laughs) let's make sure that we're being consistent with the scientists.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I'm sure that there's going to be some crossroads between travel and who's vaccinated and who isn't and who wears masks and who doesn't. I assume that as an essential worker, I'm going to be wearing masks perhaps a lot longer than the general public. Maybe there'll be some rules about like when you're inside an establishment versus just along your own life when you do or don't. But that is sort of the least of my worries. I'd be happy to wear masks for a long, long time because it's comfortable now and I would do it eight hours a day and there's no problem <laughs> with it at all. And like,
1: That's true. I, I would say I would be happy to always wear a mask in a store because there's so many random people.
0: Yeah. I also wish, this is something that I hope that will stay and I don't think will in America, but I wish that it would just become part of culture that anytime we had a cold, we wore a mask because we were
1: putting people at risk. Like they do in Asia. Yeah. yeah. I Well, yeah, I am glad that it's not taboo now to wear masks, except for some parts of the United States, which is very sad. But I'm glad that it is a little bit more you know, wearing masks or having at least having a mask in your pocket and being really ready to put it on. I love that servers wear masks in restaurants and that that um, people cooking wear masks. I feel much better about eating.
0: Yeah. No, there are some things where it's like, you. what do you mean we weren't doing this before? Like, (sighs) what do you mean we weren't wiping down every door handle every day at Trader Joe's, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But we just didn't think about it before. So yeah, I I think there's a lot. I think there will be just as long this year of reflecting and uh, renewing our habits as there was last year to do the same in a different manner. But I, I appreciate this conversation to, to talk through some of the things that helped get us through the things that we've learned. And I'm pleasantly surprised that this conversation wasn't anxiety inducing. That's good. <laughs> I think that says something about where we're coming to. I didn't know you thought it would be. Yeah. I think there's just like a little part of me that anytime you want to talk about the pandemic is like, huh, I well,
1: I, and that's not the case for everybody. And we have the blessing and the situation that are None of our immediate family got dramatically, dramatically sick. You had a sister, my daughter, uh, other daughter got quite sick. But Mm -hmm. and with her having had pneumonia in the past in her life, I was concerned that she could end up in the hospital. So that was a concerning period Mm -hmm. for two months but we don't have direct family that we lost to COVID like many people yeah. in the country do. And it would be insensitive to ignore that that is a huge thing. My parents were very very careful. We are gonna go see them in a few weeks because we are half vaccinated. We won't be fully vaccinated by the time we see them, but they're fully vaccinated now. Yeah. And so they felt like, okay, we'll risk it <laughs> as long as you don't see too many people between here and there. Right. And we're able so we're gonna take a driving trip to Colorado, 17 hours away, and see them. But I'm so grateful that they were willing to stay basically recluses for the whole year. Truly. And yeah. And really not see people and they used all of the special hours of going to the market and things like that for seniors and everything because they know that their health is really fragile and when they get sick they get very sick. So, right. They were very cautious. So, but that's about as close as we were, uh, com- as we came to people that actually got the infection, it, I mean well, the, the virus, and
0: that's why I say that it is just going to take a long time psychologically, far longer than it will take for us to take on or off masks. Yes, so that's why I'm I'm glad that this conversation like didn't bring my heart rate up as so many have this year. You know, mm. because it's a it's a small flag in the okay, like we're working through this. Mm-hmm. one one step at a time, and I think that there will be it's very possible that like a year from now we'll be able to have a similar conversation about the things the tangible things, the events that brought us through twenty twenty one that aided in our reflection and our creation of those habits and our processing and our grieving just as much as as the actual year of twenty twenty
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm glad we're on this journey together,
1: yeah, it's good. well, thank you, Ingrid. yeah, good reflection. I have a good week, you too. Thank
0: you for listening to Hi Mom, Let's Talk. If you liked hanging out with us, please rate and review us on iTunes.
1: We'd love to hear your feedback and your support. You can find more relationship tools on our website, HiMompodcast.com. If you'd like to suggest a topic or share your own
0: story, you can DM us on Instagram at HiMomPodcast or write us through our website.
1: Special thanks to Sienna Ryder for editing our podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon.